You're listening to Business Casual, a podcast about making dollars and cents Aha. in commercial real estate. Welcome back. I'm Tim, the commercial guy, coming to you from the Hurrah Studios in Chesapeake, Virginia. And we have Dr. Don Kennedy, the CEO of the Hampton Roads Realtor Association, sitting in with us again. Don, thanks for being here again. You're so welcome. And we are, we're going to put Don on the spot today. Don's been involved on on a national level in commercial real estate for quite a while. And so we're going to put her on the spot and we're going to talk to her about some of the biggest changes she has seen over the last several years. And then we're also going to ask her on some changes, what she sees coming up. That's such a great topic. You know, I think back to 2004. And meeting my first commercial realtor when okay. I became an association executive and understanding the difference between the two, the residential and sure. the commercial. At that point in time, the big, big issue was uh, broker lien laws and portability of the license because uh. for whatever reason, commercial brokers were not getting paid. Oh. And, yeah, and so it was all about how do we enforce putting liens on, you know, on the buildings for our payment? Again, that's almost 20 years ago. <laughs> and uh, I think some of the changes that I've seen, I've seen crew grow over the years. For those of you who don't know, it's commercial real estate women. I think when I first started, it was pretty much a male-dominated mm-hmm. field. And I've seen the crew chapters grow. Personal experience, I uh, belonged to crew in Birmingham. And I just saw that they were just such an active chapter. So other issues or trends that I've seen in commercial real estate is, we were just talking about this the other day. You know, for a while there, there was a big um, impetus on the opportunity zones. Yes. I think one of the trends that I really like seeing from an association level is how many advocacy items there really are on NAR's legislative agenda this year, last year, the year before. What are some of those advocacy items? Oh, geez. We talked about, I think you're going to have an upcoming podcast on this, or you already had one on the conversions. You Um, mean adaptive reuse. Adaptive reuse, yep. And just uh, lease accounting standards. Uh, Real quick, folks, adaptive reuse is where you take a property that's in existence for one aspect, and basically, you change its complete purpose. So, for instance, a big topic right now throughout the country is what do you do with vacant office space in urban centers? Do you convert them to apartments? What are the issues, pros and cons of doing that? Uh, other things that you can do with it, just real quick, uh, we're hearing things like making hydroponic farms out of these buildings. So, that's adaptive reuse. Yep. What are some of the changes? Okay, some of the biggest changes. changes. Okay, so changes I've seen an influx in. Um, females in commercial real estate. Which is great. Which is great. Um, I think... More diversity, period. More, Yeah, more diversity, period. And um, I I see more of a, a focus on... Uh, and I think this goes back to the Dodd-Frank Act. I see more of a focus on legislative activity and making sure that our leaders understand the commercial issues that are out there. I okay. remember um, the collateralized debt obligation that we got removed from um, the dot brain hack because it's like uh, you're going to kill commercial real estate with sure. this thing. 
And then I've seen really a lot, a lot of new technology in commercial real estate. Things that I think it started with things of um, the commercial lending, where you had the wire companies and all that sort of mm-hmm. take it off. And then you had RPR, the Realtors Property Resource, that developed this whole big commercial database. Mm-hmm. And then to go from there, now we have multiple, multiple different things that are offered in the terms of technology with commercial real estate, everything yeah. from, oh gosh. Well, if I can address tenant, that real quick. Yeah. The, back to my CCIM uh, Canada days, and you're taking these long classes and it's all about numbers, right? And crunching numbers. So you're sitting there and you're filling out spreadsheets by hand, cell by cell on a pencil. So if your answer wasn't right at the end, you had to go back. And we typically do five-year cash flow analysis, right? Yeah. So you, before and after tax. If your final number wasn't there, you had to go through all those different cells and figure out which number you got wrong. It wasn't like plugging into a spreadsheet. So man, that was a pain. So talking about technology. And then at the end of the class, they gave you a flash drive with the actual spreadsheet on it. You're just like groaning, like, man, I could have really used this. See, during it. But other things with that. Well, and even texting. I don't know if you, obviously you've been around when texting really came into full force. And I remember BrokerBuddy, which was the app for um, commercial practitioners. I don't know if it's still around. I've never heard of it. it. It was really Bake out west. Okay. And um, it just, it was full of financial calculators along with GPS technology was brand oh, new back no. then. Okay. okay. And so it was like, if I'm selling land, somebody can find me, you know, yeah. I mean, because I mean, you said before you sold land, there's a lot of I do a dangers lot of land. I do in a lot that. Of land. Isn't there though? I mean, safety risk? Uh, you know, I've never really thought of from that aspect. The biggest danger I've ever been concerned about is that you know, like if I'm driving out into a field and my, and my truck gets stuck, it's <laughs> like, how do I tell somebody where to find me? But other than that, you know, I really don't think about, but I'm a good old country boy too. See, I there a country you go. Boy. I'm yeah. not afraid, uh, you know, finding a snake and things like okay, that. Okay. Cause I remember that being one of the yeah. issues because it's vacant land. Yeah. What if you get bit by a snake? Um, what if you twist your ankle on rocks, you yeah. know? Well, one of the biggest things you got to keep in mind though, is that usually people, well, first of all, I was taught when I was, when I was taught land, I was like, you have to walk the land. Okay. Right? You have to get to know it. You can't just look on a map and go, this works. You've got to okay. walk it and feel it. If you're looking at it for redevelopment. Okay. Now land banking is a different issue. What or is land banking? Land banking is where you buy land and you're sitting on it for a while for down the road, future development, gotcha. Gotcha. or you're okay. like, Hey, eventually development's going to come here and somebody, I want this land. Okay. But in the meantime, you're land banking. Uh, you got to walk the land, but I've never really been concerned about twisting my ankle. I think, Oh, I know what I was saying. The buyers of that type of land, mm-hmm. when they're going in, they usually know that they've got to walk the land too. And they're used to it. Okay. Um, you know, like right now, I've got an 81-acre chicken farm, for instance, and every buyer I've been down there with hasn't hesitated, and it's overgrown because it's been vacant for a while, it hasn't hesitated. Is it vacant with chickens or are there chickens no, no, there? No, 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 there are no chickens there. And so nobody's hesitated about getting out of the trucks, and we go out and we walk the land. Wow. And it's overgrown. Yeah. So, so the, back to the tech thing, you yeah. know, like LoopNet, that didn't exist. Um Co-star, that and didn't folks, exist. Just so you know, LoopNet is one of the top marketing platforms for commercial properties out there. <laughs> CoStar is a top research company. 
they own Luna along with Apartments.com. Oh, wow, I did. Uh, Lots. I think they own Hotels.com. I'm not sure on that one. They do own the Star Report, which is the number one. It's one of the top sources, research sources in the hotel sector. So they own a bunch of other things, yeah. too. But I think just like everything else, mm-hmm. if you are not moving with the technology, you are going to be left behind. But in it's addition true. to technology, there's also, you know, the societal influences. So one of the things we were talking about the other day was ESG, environmental, societal, yes, right. and governance um, yep. principles. And what those mean in commercial real estate. I know what they mean in my mind. Most people don't understand what ESG is, but it's actually considered one of the biggest issues coming forth. It's one of the big trends that everybody needs to be aware of. And it's and it's actually guiding a lot of how we're developing right exactly, now. Exactly. Exactly. And that's part of that adaptive reuse again, because it's so much more sustainable to build something on a gray field than it is on green open space, that's right? Correct. But so the ESG movement is all about profit. I mean, the profit that benefits society. Yes. Profit that benefits um, the world as a whole. Um, a lot of it's about sustainability, right? That's correct. Um, and environmental, some of that's the sustainability part. Uh, what I always envision is that when I think of ESG, I think of this office space in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Beautiful office. And it not only um, windows, but it's LEED certified. And, and there's just lush gardens everywhere in the middle of this office space. And it isn't just about, oh, isn't that pretty? Mm -hmm. It's about this is a place for the tenants to relax, to think, to like meditate. I don't know if anybody meditates, but like I always want to when I see it. Um, But it's also about the carbon exchange, right? It's about, um, you know, making sure that the air is good, the air quality is good. And we found that we, and I say we, I'm talking about NAR's national data. It's like companies that embrace ESG yes. tend to be more profitable. You were talking about developers, right? Yes. I just was writing an article about this, about um, Class A buildings that are being developed with ESG in mind. Yes. And there have uh, roof gardens and all sorts of things that help to create a good environment for that tenant. Yeah, I don't want to go too much into this, but I mean, part of that, too, is actually what we call gray water, which is like your sink water and stuff. Your runoff from that, using that to water your green life that's that's within a building. So there's a lot of issues with that. And it's such a huge topic. Matter of fact, I believe that we're going to bring in a leading expert sometime. Let's do that. Let's bring in a leading expert on. Just have a forum on ESG. I think it's just so important because. It is affecting development in ways that we didn't think about. And folks, you can get some tax dollars to help with some of this stuff. Very, very good. Yes, you can. Because again, it's that profitability that you brought up. I mean, it's great. Everybody wants to do all this. But on the other hand, you know, a developer can get a loan out there to say, hey, I want to go in and build this great project. It's going to hurt the environment. But I'm going to lose money on and so are you as the lender. Mm -hmm. That just doesn't happen. So if it can be a win-win for everybody involved. Absolutely. So much and I think on the societal thing, I mean, I know one thing a lot of companies do, and this really doesn't have to do with real mm-hmm. estate, but you, 
their societal good is that they're donating X percentage of their profits to vaccinating kids yep. in Honduras. Or, I mean, I'm just making yeah, that up. Yeah, there's lots of stuff like that, which we can get more into. Another thing that I want to bring, I don't know if, you know, I know that um, the counselors of real estate identified this as one of the top issues. Climate change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's how ESG figures into that, because it's like we know we have to reduce our carbon emissions, right? Mm -hmm. We know we have to make a smaller carbon footprint. And good development, uh -huh. good architecture can do that. And it's one of those things that when you if you're fully analyzing your numbers, we're actually starting to utilize climate risk into our analytics on forecasted numbers for our discount of cash flow models. So, for wow. instance, like here in Hampton Roads. We live in a very flood area sure. and high winds. Uh, so we have to factor that in. Insurance costs on that go through the roof. Absolutely. Yeah. It, well, granted, I know all of you out there just moaned when I said that because you know that insurance costs are going up everywhere and substantial increases. But when you live in a flood area, I mean, quite a few companies are actually pulling out. Yeah. Or they have things like, hey, sure, we'll cover you for damages. We're not going to cover you for wind. Or you have to get a special wind rider that costs a lot of money. And we have to factor that into our numbers, folks. For sure. And and replacement, or for that matter, what if you're trying to build or if you're redeveloping? You say, okay, I have to factor in that I may have 100-mile-an-hour winds on a fairly regular basis here. So you have to go in and build to that standard rather than that be an exception to the rule. That costs more money. Sure it does. And speaking of that, like, when we think about insurance and we see on the news about, you know, all these insurance companies like pulling out of Florida, right? Mm -hmm. That impacts commercial buildings too, right? Yep. And so there's a, there's got to be an even bigger loss comparatively, mm -hmm. right? If, mm -hmm. if it's, if they can't get insurance, how, what, if, what do they do with their building? Uh, well, and looking at it, talking about planning for numbers, that's one reason why forecasting numbers and being able to do that forecasting is so important. When we're doing that, and I've told people for years, uh, quite a few years ago, when flood insurance was a big issue. Well, on the commercial side, flood insurance, people didn't realize, was actually increasing at about 20 plus percent a year. Wow. Because they wanted the commercial buildings to mitigate the risk. There are some ways to mitigate sometimes your flood aspect, but the government actually pays for the flood risk. And they got tired of doing it. Yeah, I suppose. So, but at that cost. So your numbers may look great for year one, but if you but don't then, know how to forecast your numbers out correctly, you know, you're going down and you're saying, okay, my, this meets my profit margin. But then you're looking at year four, you're like, oh, crap. Yeah, what am I going to do? This isn't going to work. Well, you, yeah. it's so, That's why it's so important that if, you, that if you don't know how, at least have somebody that does know okay, how to do this Okay, I was just going to ask you, how did you learn to do that? Where did you learn to do that? No, well, CCIM education, a lot of mentoring underneath a lot of other people. They know what they're important. doing. Yeah, yeah. it's not just the quote-unquote education from the books. Uh, for instance, you know, we keep harping back to CCIM that obviously I'm kind of biased there. But with the, we talk about CCIM is not just the education. CCIM, you also have to have a portfolio of experience, of closed transactions. This can't be something like, Oh, yeah, I saw this deal or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or I read a case study. You actually have to have done so much business. And then you submit all that. Yeah. Application of the exactly. concepts. And experience. And that's just to allow you to sit for the comprehensive exam. But with that, and then also just mentoring underneath other people. That's the other thing. I mean, 
Folks, you can sit in a classroom for your whole life and you're still not going to learn everything that goes on out there. You know, one of my degrees is in finance. And I remember when I got out of, got out of college, started a job as a stockbroker. <laughs> and I was considered really good at finance, all right? I was offered a, I I was offered a PhD so, <laughs> fellowship and all this other stuff straight out of a bachelor's. Wow. And then I realized how much, uh, how much that actually would make me over the course of six years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hold on, I can go over here and start making money now. <laughs> Within my first six months of being a stockbroker during part of the training program there, and I'm having to read these annual reports that I studied so much in college and all this other stuff. And I'm sitting there with these experienced, very educated brokers. I work with some very smart people, not just yeah. salesmen. And we're going over the, all this. I'm like, wow, I learned more in that six months about finances than I ever did. In the four years in of In the school? four years of college. Yeah the, yeah. the college just taught me how to learn. It's the application that really teaches exactly. you. Because I believe that um, many college-based courses, it's more about the theoretical concept, right? Yeah. Well, what? we did a lot of case study stuff when you get up into more of the advanced classes, but nonetheless, I mean, they can't cover every detail. Exactly. Yeah. Don't you believe that? I believe these podcasts are really important because they are shedding a light on a area of real estate that the general public probably doesn't know about. And I believe this is also a great mentoring opportunity. Somebody who's interested in getting into commercial real estate as an investor or as a student. Correct, right? And that because we're talking about just so many topics and you're going to have and have had so many experts already coming in to speak about these items. It's just a great mentoring opportunity. I know personally, if I wanted to sell commercial real estate, which I do not, um, I could never be what you all do. And that's why I admire you all so much because mm. I couldn't do it. But that's sticking to our lane. That's all. I could not do. I could not run an association. There you go. There you go. Right. It's sticking to your lane. Find yeah, somebody who's sticking great. to your lane. Exactly. So if I wanted to be a commercial realtor, I would be listening to these types of podcasts. Yeah. I would be learning to find out: is that for me? Is that not for me? Well, not again. Not just being a commercial realtor. I mean, you know, like for instance, we've done several on investments. How do you find a good lender? How do you find a good broker? What type of relationships do you need if you want to invest in commercial real estate? So that's kind of where we're going with our podcast. You know, the business casual. We're talking about yeah. all things broad about it. Obviously, there's certain slants to it because, you know, we're both involved. Well, sure. We're both involved side. with different but, organizations and yeah. we're going to talk about them. Yeah, exactly. But no, it's for investors. It's for, you know, tenants, landlords or developers or people if you just own property. Yeah, you know, we're talking about bringing in a leading expert actually on the ESG issue, the environmental sustainability issues. That would be great, isn't it? And she's agreed. I've asked her already. Excellent, you know? excellent. So yeah. these podcasts, I think, are going to be great. Okay, and I appreciate you letting me be a guest. We love having you here, and folks, let us know what you want to hear. You know, reach That's out to a Harrell really good here. Point. Yeah, and you know, if there's a particular topic, we love suggestions. Reach out to us and. Find us online. The links will be in the in the comments below. And let us know what you want to hear. And if you want to get a hold of me, I'm known as Tim the Commercial Guy. And we are coming to you from the Hurrah Studios in Chesapeake, Virginia. But hopefully we're reaching out to a national audience too. Dick. Very good. All right. Well, thanks for attending, Don. Loved oh. having you. And I'm sure we'll have you back again sometime. I would definitely love to come back. 
And I'm just excited that we have you and your talent. And you don't have to record that part, but I'm just excited we have you and your talent. I think it's going to be great. The Business Casual Podcast is recorded in the Hurrah Studio and edited by Mark Harlan. That was a good one.